Welcome to the Tribute to Happiness at Work, at Home, in Life podcast. What is happiness? Where do you find happiness? How do you feel happiness? Do you control your own happiness or is somebody else controlling your happiness? Are you living a meaningful and worthwhile life where you experience joy, contentment and positive well-being? Do you feel happiness at work, at home and in life? In this Tribute to Happiness podcast, you will discover what happiness means to people all over the world and how they implement happiness in their life. Here is your host, Hjeden Svenperson, and with him you'll explore these and other interesting topics. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer calling. Have you been hanging out for time off? Are you fed up with feeling chronically tired, sleep deprived, frustrated by your own shortcomings and those of other people? And more than a tad anxious about what your future might hold, does it feel to you that it's getting harder to be a good human? These questions are to find in the book Thriving Mind. And it's simple. Let's call the author down under and talk about happiness versus well-being, burnout and... Hello, Hedin. It's Jenny here. How are you? Hi, Jenny. Thanks for talking to me today. So, how is life in Australia? That's a far way. Australia is... It's springtime here, so... We're looking forward to some longer sunny days, a little bit more warmth. It's been so cold here. You would not believe how cold it's been here. Some days it's been down to about 18 degrees Celsius. So, you know, we've had to put the fire on. We're putting on all these extra clothes because we're trying to stay warm. You know, you're talking to an Icelandic person, like 18 degrees <laughs> in summer is like, it's a heat wave. It's a heat wave, Jenny. <laughs> Well, it's uh, like we are we are heading straight into the winter. So that's like we are down to I think five degrees. So it's like it's starting to be cold, really. Yes, cold. yes. So yes. eighteen degrees in the summertime, it's like freezing over my you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the misconception of a weather. <laughs> mm. So thank you very much for uh, joining me on this uh, tribute to happiness podcast. And I, we have to tell people that we met on. We have the same interest in woohoo partnership, yes, <laughs> which is yes. uh, focusing and it's a on magic partnership. It's magic. a magic partnership, and and we are like focusing on happiness in around yes. in the surroundings. But yes. and and you have recently, like there has been, you have published a book in middle I of have. the pandemic. Yes. So, what so, was I thinking? Yes. <laughs> but can you can you tell people a little bit about you, and then then we can like talk a little bit about the book, and then we can okay. t- take the uh, happiness discussion. Okay. Sure. So I'm a medical practitioner. I trained in the UK where I was born, and I've lived in Australia for thirty years, working primarily as a doctor, and uh, there was an incident where I basically became unwell. I was completely burned out, too much work. And so I left my practice. 
I went away for 12 months to heal, to get better. And then I was thinking, heck, what am I going to do now? What can I do? Because I didn't want to go back to be uh, a clinical doctor anymore. And I was really interested in the positive psychology, in the neuroscience. And the more I looked into it, the more I came to understand that, you know what? While it was really important to me for people to be healthy from a physical side, I really had underestimated how important it is that we're healthy up here as well. So we enjoy greater what we call mental well-being, which enables us to be happier. And when we are happier, we can learn how to truly thrive. So I, I wrote a book about it because I wanted people to understand that much of modern way of living and working, especially in Australia, was not, not healthy and making us unhappy. It, it's also creating a lot of loneliness and, um, and exhaustion. People are just tired all the time. It's damaging relationships. So I wanted to do something to say, okay, what could we be doing differently? What can we do to elevate that sense that I can create uh, a life which feels fulfilling, it has purpose to it, I have a great relationship with my partner or my friends or my, my work tribe, and I feel I'm doing something really useful, contributing to something that's bigger than me. So this, to me, is what thriving is all about, and that's what the nub of the book hopes to explain to what we can all do for ourselves. It's not a one size fits all. It's about what you consider most important for your circumstances and then to put in place those those strategies that you know will make the biggest difference. And because it's all science based, we've got all the research to show that this stuff actually really works. So I have to remember to be a host because this is just fascinating what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so sometimes I'm just like, wow, she knows stuff. But uh, <laughs> but how how is it with like, uh, I'm, I'm talking about happiness, but you are more yes. talking about like well-being and there's a, a like, yes. and you can feel or sense or see on internet and stuff that like there are people that are they divided or is it just like, are there not like, uh, is there a, some ac ac acceptance issue between like happiness or well-being? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And I think at the moment there is a greater division between the two. They actually fit together. Um, and up until the arrival of COVID-19, I had a sense that more people were willing to talk about let's make work work better. Let's create happier, healthier workplaces. And that was going great guns. But as when we were hit by the pandemic and everybody went into lockdown and had to work from home and all these other things were going on and so many people feeling really stressed all the time, not sleeping, drinking too much wine, eating too many snack foods, you know, not looking after themselves and, and really struggling. I found that trying to talk about happiness just didn't land. People wanted to know what they should be doing in order to get through this difficult time. And so 
uh, I found that if I talk about well-being, but expand it, because a lot of people think about well-being is going to the gym, eating healthy food, and sleeping enough, which is true. Mm. But for me, well-being includes all those things that give us joy and pleasure. It's all those things that make us feel connected to each other and to this wonderful planet that we live on. And if we choose to take care of ourselves and each other and our fragile planet, then everything gets better. Yeah. So it's a, so it's, it's just it's just at the moment. Yeah. Maybe in twenty twenty two, we will be ready to go back to uh, talking about happiness more freely, especially in the happiness at work category. Yeah. But at the moment, it's it's too early. People are just going whoa whoa whoa. I can't I can't talk about being happy. Yeah. It's almost as if they feel guilty about it. Yeah. And and I have met many happy people at the moment who say, actually, you know what, Jenny? I love working from home. I love the fact I don't have to travel. I love the fact that I get to spend all this extra time with my kids and we can go out for the walking and swimming and doing all these things. But they say, don't tell anybody (laughs) because they feel guilty. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, but (laughs) the the, the times are shifting and we can can feel that, that the companies and the employees, they are... Like, yeah, okay, so we can do it differently. We don't have to be, yeah. like, in the same place at the same time. But, mm. okay, so then then literally we are changing the topic or the, the three questions I always ask. It's like happi- okay. ha- happiness at work, happiness at life, happiness at work, happiness at home, and happiness in life. So we are just going to say well-being at work, well-being <laughs> at home, and well-being in life. So if we, you can take like, there are three questions, and you just like, how, how, how do you see like well-being at work in these times or just in general because okay it's it's a weird times we are living but like mm. when you're talking about the people who are happy because they have to like they can spend more time with the kids and that guilt yeah. trip is gone and stuff so how do you yeah. see like people like well-being at work how can you can you give me something about that then I think well-being at work or happiness at work or both yeah. is really uh, something that we can do as individuals for ourselves by the rituals we we follow um, or the things that we do on a daily basis that enable us to uh, get more out of the work that we do to remember to tap into why we're doing this in the first place. And I think when you do that in combination with what an organization or a team leader or a manager can do to provide that safe environment where it feels good to come to work either face-to-face or virtually, where you feel that uh, you are cared about, that people actually value your contribution, that people... um, want to make sure you're all right there you know everybody's looking out for each other as well as for themselves so it's 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 like a two-pronged approach and i think when we get that right that's when the magic happens so what i am feeling very encouraged about is that 
here in Australia and New Zealand, we're seeing a lot more employers take on board the fact that employee health and well-being or happiness is, is absolutely essential if they want their business to thrive, because we know from the research that that's true, that the happiest, healthiest workplaces are more productive because people want to contribute more, they're more effective as team members, they actually collaborate because they're talking to each other, they're not frightened to share an idea or voice an opinion or anything like that. And so people are working better together and getting on better together, if, this, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's that's the, the, the way that happiness at work works so well, because it's, it's feeling that you care about your own well-being, you take responsibility for that, along with knowing that somebody else has got your back, your colleagues will look out for you, they'll pick you up if you fall over and you need to be having your knees dusted down, you might need a band-aid. I don't know what you have in Iceland. We have band-aids if you mm, cut yeah, yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know that your boss is, instead of sort of saying, oh, Jenny, your performance has slipped this month. We're, what's going on? You need to pull up your socks, get on with it. We expect you to do better. And instead of that, if they say, hey, Jenny, um, is everything all right? um noticed it you know you're, you're not at your usual level is everything okay is there anything i can help you with show completely in, different approach uh, show interest in the person show, you show interest, interest yeah. in in the person yeah. so it's human to human yeah but how yeah. how the big question is how do we get the managers the owners to see it like, like that 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 employees are a valuable asset like yeah everybody has something that they can bring to the table absolutely this is the the biggest challenge for those employers who can't see it yet they're still blind yeah their focus is on um, key performance indicators it's on the stakeholders it's on the customer because the customer is almost right and the customers always get what they want but I think it will come from social proof. When when other companies are seen to be doing really well, because uh, you know they've they've understood how if you look after people, they will look after your business for you. Yeah. Um, business is always about the business of relationships, and it's if you ensure that every single one of your employee is enabled to do what they've been taken on to deliver, then it works. And I always say to um, the CEOs or the managers, whoever I'm talking to, I say, well, if you if the company has invested time, energy, money to hire this person, doesn't it make sense to ensure that you are providing the ideal environment for them to deliver on their true potential that they are You've taken them because they have a certain skill set. Are you making sure that they can deliver that skill set? Mm. And if not, what could you be doing differently? When you start to talk about it like that, and you start to talk about the fact that because we're social creatures, because our need to feel that we belong is so important to us. Mm. Um, once the leaders start to get that, 
then they start to think, oh, okay, so how does that work? And I say, well, if you expect loyalty from your employees, if you expect high performance ongoing, if you expect them to be your raving advocates and say, this is the most fabulous place to work, you must come here too. Um, what do you need to be doing to enable that to happen? And it comes down to our social intelligence coupled with our emotional intelligence that enables us to develop that, that safety aspect. Some people call it psychological safety. Uh, and the businesses I've worked with who are seeking to elevate that level of safety. And, and I'm always careful to stress that I'm not saying that there's something broken or it needs to be fixed or it's the leader's fault. Because as soon as you say that, it's like, oh, you're telling me I'm wrong. They don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. But if you say, look, um, this is the evidence that shows that um, people who feel valued, supported, trusted, respected, are given the autonomy to work in the way that enables them to shine and learn more and get better at what they're doing. People who always feel that they will be treated fairly and are provided sufficient information to understand what they're being asked to do. All the, all the statistics tell us that that's what works and why not do it? Yeah. So you have to have the social proof and you have to have the business metrics. And then I ask the question, I say, can you afford not to be doing this? Because if you could uh, reduce your level of staff turnover, absenteeism, presenteeism, stress-related illness, all that sort of stuff, even by five to 10%, what difference would that make to your you know, business turnover overall? Yeah. And they go, oh, oh, it's, it's, it's hugely significant. So I'm, I'm confident that little by little, and it's a very slow process, but we're so much further forward than we were even 10 years ago, even five years ago. So I think now, coupled with the fact that there are some silver linings from this pandemic, you have to look for them, but there are, which, which is what we, we talked about just now, where people are realizing that being successful doesn't necessarily mean driving yourself into an early grave with overwork and overwhelm and too high expectations that are unrealistic. That brings me, like, my thoughts now are, and this maybe is the million-dollar question, I don't know, but, like, yeah. in this sense, there always, for people always mention Google and working with Google, and you just like, yeah. no, it's like, it's the feeling you get when you talk about Google is like, this must be a cult. <laughs> 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 Nobody is that happy. <laughs> like, it is something, <laughs> it is something, but, like, that, that is the one thing, because people are so mistrusting that there yeah. must there must be something yeah. like the uh, like the the general feeling I get when I'm like yeah you must be in cult because I want to talk about happiness, and then the second question in in this because you mentioned it's yourself like the burnout, and it is getting more we are getting more and more reports news about burnout, and is it the mindset? <coughs> of us, the people, or like when we are an employee, like how, how, 
like okay so there's a two questions like the google that is just like okay there's something uh, there's something fishy or going on there and the second <laughs> second th- second thing must be like the mindset of the employee and the how the brain works in a sense of you go there you, you you feel tired like you know like you because you mentioned it yourself and you said yourself to yourself okay i'm not going in like I'm not going to be dead before I'm thirty or forty or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so what is your take on that? My take is that um, we've we've moved into this time where the expectation is we will always do more. We will always commit to a hundred and ten percent. Hundred percent is not enough. So we go in early. We stay late. We, we don't complain, even though we're missing out on our child's school play or sports day or something like that. And we, we take work home to do after work or on the weekends. And we just become, it's not obsessed, but we become very blinkered in our outlook because the, the belief here is that success comes from hard work and effort. And if you're not putting enough in, you won't be achieved success. And I get really angry when I hear some of the billionaires out there who say, you know, like Elon Musk, who says, well, unless you're working 80 hours a week, you'll never be successful. And I only need four hours of sleep at night. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, who wants to live like that? I mean, if he wants to live like that, that's his choice. But please don't tell other people how to live their lives. I think um we really need to get back to the basics and stop treating ourselves like a machine mm. and just say i'm human and i have physiological psychological limits we know that ideally we shouldn't be working more than 38 hours a week yeah. i don't know how many hours you work um i probably work more than that but don't tell anybody no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 what's our reality and if if you're finding that your workload is becoming unmanageable, then you're put in this state of perpetual threat where your your mind subconsciously is always processing the fact that you're possibly in a dangerous place. And because of that, you become hypersensitive to other things or other people and other events. So somebody says something to you that's a little bit off and you jump down their throat somebody asks you to do something extra and you're already up to here with everything and you just explode and say no way and you know it's all ridiculous Mm. so i think we just need to be aware of how this type of working on and living is very detrimental to our ability to think clearly to have the insight of what is valuable to us and then to make the better choices and that, like you said, that like the hour in the day is only twenty-four hours. We only have twenty-four hours, and we have to sleep yeah. maybe six, seven, eight hours, and then we mm-hmm. only have sixteen hours left, and and we have to divide, and you have to wait work for seven or eight hours every day. So there is, we have not, yeah. there is not much left to do everything else, and no. and you gracefully skip the Google cult question, but. Uh, <laughs> So we will not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and but like that brings me to like we can take this then to the well-being at home. Yeah. 
Like, are we in general good to organize ourselves? Like, because you are saying we are taking work home, we are constantly uh, reminded of that we forgot, that we are not like the kids, they they constantly say, hey, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, and it's like, and you are always on, and then you want just to like turn on the TV and just like go inside the TV and stay there. Yeah. So how, how, how do you mm. see like the well-being at home? Because you, you mentioned in your book, that, like, and you have talked about it, the sleep, the sleep, how, how effective, it, like at how it's, important it is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, most of the focus about well-being is often about exercise and diet. And we're so worried about, should I be eating the keto diet? Should I be eating the paleo diet? Should I be eating the Mediterranean diet? Should I be exercising, doing spin classes? Should I be running? What should I be doing? And we forget that sleep, without sleep, we don't function, yeah. period. Um, and yet... <laughs> well-being at home, I believe, starts with a regular bedtime, going to bed and getting up and making sure that you get enough sleep that you need. Mm -hmm. Because how much sleep Hedin needs is going to be different from how much sleep Jenny needs. Yeah. And you may have also noticed how your sleep requirements may have changed a little bit during the last six months. Some people are telling me that their sleep is much more fragmented. They're waking up many more times during the night. Their mind's going, you know, 10,000 yeah. kilometers yeah. an hour. Uh, some people are getting weird dreams. Some people are sh sleeping shorter. Some people are sleeping longer. And I'm saying, don't worry about it. Let follow your instincts as to what your body needs. And well-being at home, especially now, I, I seem to spend a lot of my time saying, please stop working. Please stop working. Please stop working <laughs> because especially when you're working from home, the temptation has become, oh, I don't have to commute. I don't have to drive, catch the train or whatever to go to work. I fall out of bed. I roll into the kitchen or the lounge room or wherever I've got my laptop and I can start working straight away. Yeah. And so there's no boundary between home life and work life. And so I'm, and people then finding that, that some people are super productive. Other people are saying that they're distracted and all over the place. And I say, if that's happening to you, please show yourself some self-compassion. Yeah. Your brain is under siege. It's trying to deal with all this anxiety and stress and worry. And so it, you're doing the best you can. And if at the moment you can't do everything as you would do normally or as perfectly, that's okay because you are enough. And just by letting go a little bit, it reduces the stress levels. And all of a sudden you feel, oh, I can breathe. I'm calmer. I'm more in control of things. And when we decide what we can control and decide to control, use those things, that's what makes us feel better in ourselves. And that's really good for creating that headspace we need in order to feel happier. And the other thing I always say is, no matter what you're doing, make sure that you're laughing enough, smiling enough, playing enough, uh -huh. and chilling out enough. 
So basically, you know, lower your expectation. Lower totally. your expectation yes. because you are not. Yeah. We are human. That's like underlined. Yeah. We are human. Yeah, yeah. We are not machines. Yeah. So and and go yeah. out and live for the moment. Just like hear the birds sing oh, and yes. stuff. So it's just exactly. like see the beauty outside. See the beauty in life. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, how yeah. how does like well being in life in general like wh- how is there a formula for well being in life? I don't think there's one single formula. Uh-huh. It's it's the formula that you create for yourself. So so in the book I talk about all sorts of different things. Yeah. So for you i don't know what your your hobbies or your interests or your passions are but i would um like to imagine that your way to being a thriver includes those things that makes you feel complete for some people it might be giving back uh contributing to the community at large doing something that you know isn't for money it's just something you can do because it's a nice thing to do you know those little random acts of kindness or just volunteering your time to help people who need some uh, assistance at the moment uh, the best way to elevate how we feel about ourselves is doing things for other people yeah so the simple act of looking for the opportunity uh you know and and it doesn't have to be anything huge just the small things that we can help out in some way and being grateful for what we have. I think uh, a lot of society has become so materialistic, so, you know, dollar driven that, you know, the measure of your success is how many material goods you have, how big is your house, how big is your boat, all these sort of things. And we forget that actually it's, it's the small things that actually we love the most. What 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 small things do you love, Hedin? What 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 I do you treasure? Like the most thing I treasure that is meeting people because I have like I started uh, working as a waiter this summer and I absolutely ah. love it because I meet ah. fascinating yes. people and I'm talking and I get paid for talk to people. I love it, and it's just like <laughs> or like waking up and hearing the birds sing. It's just like oh, it's going to yeah. be a good day. Yes. So yes. it's just like yeah. uh, it's like, like it's the small thing, or you would, but it takes time to realize it. I think I was like I was not in my twenties, and I was not in mm. my thirties. I was not no. in my forties. Like so, it's just like but you have to. I, f- I feel a sense of if you are going to have a well-being in life, that you have like you were talking about because the burnout uh, is a thing that is just unbelievable big in the world right now people are just falling and is it worth it is think about it is my work worth my well-being in life my health Mm. my family like where are you going with this because Mm. when you discover that you are getting sick then it's maybe too late and the work like you told me like you told us before 12 months of recuperating. Yeah, that's a long time. It's a, it's long, a long time. time. So that's yeah. like, please, people, think, think. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a lovely discussion. And and I I and you talked about I'm lovely. It's lovely to hear that your book is. You told me that the book is on what was it, family and health. Uh, 
best seller uh, health, list. Health and well-being. Health, sorry, health, health and well-being. Yeah. It's number nine in the current, like in Australia. So it's lovely. Yes. So it's a very yeah. popular theme. So yeah. I am thrilled that you like had the time to talk to me because I I really feel that we have to wake up like we have to wake people up and and think about these things. So yeah. I thank you very very much for talking to me. Well, thank you. Um I will have to say tak fyrir. Yes, because Is that how you say it? Tak fyrir. That's almost there. Tak fyrir. Tak but, fyrir. I, but I still yes. I I wanted to have a, I give you a challenge because like you have to say one word for me in Icelandic. Okay, well, okay. Yes, and it's like... Talarpu ensku. Talarpu ensku. Yes, I understood that. <laughs> but the word I want to tell you, like, can you say Grundarfjörður? <laughs> I mean, Grundarfjörður. It's a town outside Reykjavík. On the ah. Snæfilsnes Peninsula, I'm working there. Grundarfjörður. Okay. So you people out there who is listening, you can chew on that. <laughs> 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 so, Dr. Jenny Brockes, thank you very much for for being my guest on this uh, Tribute to Happiness podcast. It has been lovely to talk to you, and I hope you will enjoy life and think about your well-being. Likewise, Hedden. Thank you so much. All the best. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.